Aloha, welcome to the Big Dream School podcast, where we explore the art, science, and soul of rocking your dreams. I'm your very grateful host, DJ Valerie B. Love. Inhale. Now, doesn't that just feel awesome? All right, let's rock this. Aloha, dream jockeys. Do you ever have those times when you feel like that little spark of creativity that lives within is dimmed, sometimes even just completely shut off? Do you ever feel like maybe you don't even have one? My next guest is is on a lifelong journey of creative expression and giving herself and others permission to pull that creativity forward on the planet in service of the big dream of the planet. Sound familiar? (laughs) I think I've met my soul sister for sure. She's amazing. (laughs) You guys are going to get blown away. She is an author of a book series called the Fairy Godmother Academy. Like, really? I want to go there. Let's do that. She has developed games for girls with Dora the Explorer, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Barbie. She's worked with Simon and Schuster, Fisher Price, Mattel. She has written other books. She's working on another series called Coded for Greatness. And you know, what's really fun about my next guest, in addition to all of this, is she has just let her creative spirit come out, you know, of her soul. And she told she tells us that it wasn't always like this. Even though she's been in the creative industry for 30 years, mind you, it, she said it hasn't always been like this. And she has this one defining moment that you get to learn about of where it all changed. And it's also going to involve the experiment of the week. So you guys have got to tune in. You're going to love this. It's such a great episode. And she is uh, in Austin, Texas, which is really cool because right now South by Southwest is going to be rocking. So she's at South by Southwest, weaving her magic, having some fun. And I swear you guys are going to be blown away by this beautiful guest and her new project she's working on called Dreameroo. Okay. Hello. So <laughs> it's so great. I feel so honored to introduce you to Jan Bozarth. All right. Aloha, dream jockeys. Guess who I have with me? I have a super dream jockey with us. Her name is Jan Bozarth, and she is going to talk to us about her three decades of rocking the planet as a creative change maker. Hi, Jan. Welcome to the Big Dream School. Thanks for having me. Yeah, totally. So you're in Austin right now, right? I'm in Austin, Texas and rocking with all that's going on in this town. Yay. Oh my gosh. So Jan, um, I love to start the podcast off with everybody just kind of taking a big inhale and getting grounded together wherever they are on the planet, if they're in their car or the gym or whatever, just to kind of get cohesive uh, as a, on this journey together. So let's take a big inhale. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks, Spirit, for bringing us all together here. So, Jan, what is hot for you today on Friday, February 22nd, 222? Wow. 
hadn't thought of it like that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, what's hot for me today is uh, a combination, a culmination of all the work that I have done for the last really longer than 30 years. That's just the professional side, but I've been heading towards something for many years creatively, trying to unfold and unravel a dream and figure out how it all makes sense. And and now the world has turned to meet me and things are happening so fast, I'm sure for everyone besides me. Um, and I'm excited about that. So it's music and technology and books and writing and all kinds of creative experiential. So the live piece is back on the table and uh, I'm excited about how it's all coming together in a new way now. And and I love what you just said, like the world is fine. You know, it's coming to meet me after all of this time that you have spent and invested in creativity and dreams and helping the planet grow through expression. And, you know, our listeners, I want, I, I want to share. So I mean, you're prolific. You have designed games for girls. You've designed, um, uh, books, book series, the Fairy Godmother Academy. You just started this Dreamaru project. You're, you know, you have been kicking tushy all over. <laughs> and but the thing is, you had a little bit of a hiccup, and now it seems like it's reignited your creativity and your commitment to the big dream of the planet. So, can you share with us a little bit about that and why it's so important for everybody to have their own big dream? Well, first of all, I had had a 20-some-odd-year career in entertainment technology, entertainment, music, a variety of places along the way. And up until uh, about four years ago, I was going strong and getting better every year, as we all do. If we do it long enough, we get better at it. And I uh, had a shocking diagnosis of breast cancer. And one day I was in business and the next business, the next day I was in chemo. It wasn't quite that fast, of course, but it felt like that. And I call this my girl on the moon um, series. I kept a blog and, and a journal from the first day that I got my diagnosis to way, way into it. So for really three years, I was under um, some kind of treatment and going in and out of near-death experiences, it was pretty intense. And I had to stop everything I was doing, but I was able to write. And the writing kept me, I've journaled all my life, so this was sort of consistent. It was kind of the bottom line of my creativity is journal every single day. And I've never released this as a, a creative professional work. It was just my personal journals and what it felt like to basically lose everything in one fell swoop. So closed the business, had to move from Los Angeles back to Austin and live with my family and to be taken care of. And so it was a wiping of the slate and very intense, of course. But as I started to move through it, I realized that it was a gift. And I know a lot of people talk about this who have uh, disasters or tragedies in their lives, losses. And when they finally come through the darkness, they realize that they've been leveled to the degree that they can now rebuild and find what is really important to them. And so I spent a great deal of time after all the chemo and the radiation and all of that was done, just thinking about my future and how to bring forward the things that were really essential that I wanted to keep from the past life. So it was a clear delineation between before cancer and after cancer. 
but lots of things, of course, got carried forward. And uh, Girl on the Moon, I want to explain where that came from. So the first day that I got my diagnosis, I was driving down the street, coming back from the doctor, and I came to a stoplight, and I looked around, and I absolutely did not know where I was. It looked like the moon to me, so I, I the, nothing was familiar. I'm sure I was in shock, which now I look back on it, and I think, well, that makes sense. But I went home, and I scribbled on a, a blank journal, uh, Girl on the Moon, so I felt like a girl on the moon. Nothing was familiar. It was a new territory, new space, and I had to learn how to live there, and so that's where that came from. I feel um, the gifts that I was given during that time are profound, and so when you put yourself back together and you get back out there and you start working again or having a life again, you always want to remember what happened, that you, you, know, you want to move forward, but you also don't want to forget what your lessons were. So I've been working really hard and uh, building the new part of Jan. And um, some of the things we'll talk about today on this podcast will be some of those new things. But quite a few things were things that I've carried forward from the past projects and songs. And the Fairy Godmother Academy was hot and heavy when I got sick. So I had six books out at that point, And I stopped cold on that project. So I'm pulling forward some of that now into the new work. I just, when I heard Fairy Godmother Academy, I, my whole body, I was like, I want to sign up. I want to be a fairy godmother. And I don't, you know, I just, I think of Harry Potter for, for, you know, us old, you know, women, wise women, you know, and I just, I don't know. I just, and I obviously, I haven't delved into the whole experience of it, but I just, the, my imagination and my heart got really ignited as soon as I even just heard that. I was like, yeah, well, that, it, that wants to come out. <laughs> interestingly, that title, the Fairy Godmother Academy, does have its own power. And because I'm a writer, I always like to note when words themselves carry such a heavy message. I started writing the Fairy Godmother Academy in 2006, like the late 2006, 2007. And it was quite the journey of extracting a story and uh, ultimately a series design and trying to make a living while I was doing that. I mean, there were all these elements. I, I had a house, I bought a house, an old ramshackle farmhouse in Marfa, Texas at the time. And I gutted it and I basically had like this blank, palette with a piano in it. A piano, a couch, and a bed it was very raw. And I developed the stories and some of the songs on that piano. And I think ignorance was bliss. I wanted to create a certain type of thing for girls, for preteen girls. I'd worked in the business making all kinds of content for young people, particularly girl. I did girls. I did a lot of work for Mattel, the toy company, with Barbie and some of their other brands. Um, I created the games for the movie Clueless. So my genre and my skills were already being used in the market. But what I didn't like was that I couldn't find a property to work on that had the soulfulness that I really wanted to see for girls. I wanted it to be hip and have lots of music and fashion and still be soulful. And I thought those things could go together. And so I started writing these stories. I had some partners that helped me along the way. Uh, with money and technology and various things. And I just built on that and I raised money and put together a team of people. And uh, pretty early in the process when I had one book done and 12 books designed, I um, 
I got an agent and they pitched it to publishers and I got a publishing deal very quickly for eight books. And so that was kind of unheard of. And of course, threw me into a tailspin. So it was, you know, pretty much a nonstop effort for about four years. And I got like, I got six of those books out and quite a bit of the media created. Uh, Quite a few songs I wrote and co-wrote four or five songs that were going to go in the soundtrack. And then we we uh, licensed other people's music as well. But this franchise was full on in development when I got sick. So the Fairy Godmother Academy is magical. It has its own life. And even though I dropped out for three and a half years, I still get calls to this day from fans that now have grown up. They used to be, you know, 10 or 12 year olds, and now they're 15 and 16, 17 years old. So I have a whole set of fans out there. So when I started getting well and trying to decide how to bring whatever remnants of that I had left forward, I decided I would write the follow-on series for that and make it for older kids. Mm -hmm. And not just for girls, but for girls and boys, because a lot of the feedback I had on Fairy Godmother was people wished that there was something like that for boys. So there's so much good about it. I've left it in its original state and I've carried on and, expressed what happened to some of the characters' families, like family members. So you, if you ever did read the first series, you might see some of the new series as familiar. So that's where I am with that right now. But Fairy Godmother Academy is still there, and the books are still on sale, and there's six of them. And, you know, who knows if I'll ever write another one of those again, but I am now two books into the new series, which is called Coded for Greatness. And... Um, it's a whole franchise, and this franchise so far has taken me 10 years. So for anyone out there who's writing books and trying to decide, design new things and put new products in the market, just know that it's a very long journey. And in my case, one that was interrupted by um, a huge illness, I'm happy to say I'm in remission now. So I'm happy to be carrying on with the next thing. That is so, I'm so grateful to hear that. And, and I hear you, you know, this long journey, this 10 year process. And obviously you, you know, you had this, this, this burp, this hiccup on that journey. And, you know, what did you, and you were saying it, it causes you to like, okay, what am I going to bring forward out of that? You know, what's important to me? How do you filter that? What's the most like, because obviously you, you, it's a wake-up call. We all, you know, when we have, you know, a death or an illness or divorce or big loss, you know, where our life just gets, you know, leveled and there are some remnants to move forward, whether it's creative remnants or relationship, rem, you know, whatever we want to pull forward in the remodel, right? Like how did you feel into like, this has got to keep moving forward and the rest is not. And I'm going to, you know, say no to these other things and yes to these things moving forward. How do you, what's your new filtering system that you use after this experience? Well, I want to tell a little piece of that story that was just the first coming out of chemo and radiation. I had gone to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota for a summer to finish up some of my treatments And I was staying with a cousin and my sister was there. So I had people around me and I was trying to figure out uh, what made me happy. And at that moment in time, I had been stripped bare down to the bone of 
my feelings, you know, and a lot of it is the medication, of course, and just the trauma that you're going through. But I couldn't think of anything that would make me happy. And I, that really disturbed me. I wanted to know, well, where is my joy? Because as a part of the process of coming back, you really need to identify what it is that you will live for and you, you want to live for and all of that. So um, my sister, who knew I loved pie, <laughs> found this, the world's greatest pie restaurant or bakery in Rochester. She's a diabetic, so it was a great gift of, to me, her sister, to take me there for breakfast one morning to pick any pie I wanted. And we walked into this, this place. There was a long line, and then the waiting area was a gigantic cold case, like in the olden days of an old-fashioned bakery, filled with what I call cartoon pies, in which they are the, the, the meringue was like six inches deep on some of these pies. And, and I literally stopped in my tracks. I must have looked like a little child looking at a candy counter. And I ran up to this cold case, and I got my phone out. I started snapping pictures of all the pies, right? And I felt my joy. And it was in a crazy pie bakery in Rochester, Minnesota. And all of a sudden, I felt the feeling of joy again. And I thought, well, this is easy. Certainly, there's more than one thing that makes me happy, right? More than pie, because if it's just pie, I'm in trouble. But it was just such a revelation. And all I could do is just blather on the rest of the time that we were together eating pie. She was not eating pie because she had just gone on a diabetes diet. So she was staring at my pie and I was eating pie. <laughs> but I think I was shocked and I started putting together, as I always do when things are forming and making sense to me, I put together this little idea thing called the joy quotient. It could become a book someday if I ever have time to write that kind of book. But it was the mystery of what, what are the ingredients, just like making pie, what are the ingredients that go into causing us joy and causing us to notice our joy? I mean, when you're well and you're sort of motivating out in the world, you probably don't even pay attention and break that down. But I was in raw form at that point. And all I knew is that one thing made me happy. And that was a good place to start. So I mused on the pie thing and I... I thought about the joy quotient and what, what was it that would make up a joyful life? And I began there. And that was really where I started to kind of break down the pieces. And of course, my work is so important to me that it's not, it's not like it's a job that I'd go to and I hate. It's a part of the fabric of my life. So the, the work was part of it, but it wasn't just the work. So there were things like I had been living in Los Angeles right before I got sick and and my family all travels and everybody came to see me, but I really wanted to be by my family and my kids and my grandkids. I wanted to make sure that I had my priorities straight, you know, that going forward, I was going to live out the most luscious, loving existence one is allowed to do, right? And so I lined things up, you know, I lined them up in order of importance, family, love, um, health, and the work, and then what part of the work. And so that kind of takes us into more of what I'm doing currently, but so much of that, of the current stuff, is really me having mined some of the past projects like Fairy Godmother Academy or mining my work along the way that I didn't really give time to. 
And uh, now I had time and I had probably another two years before I was really out in the world. So I've really been out of, um, you know, external operation, even though I've been working in my house and my office and writing, I haven't been out on the streets drumming up new stuff, right? So while I was still in that mode, I, I was gestating. I, um, one of the things I decided I wanted to pull forward was this little project called Dreamaroo. And I had actually been working under the name Dreamaroo secretly behind, behind the curtain for 20 years. And, you know, I had all these projects and big things that people knew me for. But what I was really doing, kind of my own little experiment behind the scenes for many years, was this thing that I, that I called it Dreamaroo because it was Dreamer University smashed up. So Dreamer U. But it became Dreamaroo. Oh it's very close to your the Dream School. I mean, that's what I thought too. I was like, oh, should I have it? Big Dream University, Big Dream U. I don't. It's so. I mean, clearly, like we all are getting the memo from Spirit that this exactly. is like, this exactly. message wants to come through, and this medicine does. So, and wow. it was medicine, and I was constantly asked by friends and and uh, associates, business associates, if I would help them identify something that they needed that usually was creative. They saw me as a creative pe person. So help me find myself creatively. Mm. That's not as prevalent today because people really see themselves as creative. But if you think back 20 years ago, um, I had a 13 year old girl who was a poet and her mom was a friend of mine and she was floundering. And her mom said, I'll pay you to help me figure out what to do with this kid because she didn't even know how to guide her, right? And that's the low-end age-wise extreme. That, that kid is now a full-grown adult, of course. Um, I had many people who were um, professionals who had maybe had a full career as a lawyer or a doctor, really more lawyers than doctors, uh, or some tech guru, and they wake up one morning and they hate what they do. And they've always wanted to be a concert pianist, or maybe they wanted to be a, a wildlife photographer, or they want to just do something different. And so I helped guide those people, and I kept notes. And, I, and my notes were really about process, like what happened, first of all, what happened for them to be, to have lost their way, not, not in the case of the 13-year-old, but more in the case of the older ones. Yeah. Um, Many of these people I did just as a mentoring thing, and some paid me to do it, so it just depended on the situation. But this was all work that was going down, going down under the surface of everything else I was doing. And all these years, I've been keeping this notebook of what makes a dreameroo, and I sort of identified that as a thing you could call the person when they graduated, that they became a dreameroo. <laughs> So it was so interesting to me. And then, of course, as I said before, the world changes, right? Before it was harder. Now it's easier to uh, express yourself in the world with all the tools that we have. So the world is turning to meet us. And these ideas that seem so out there 10 years ago or 20 years ago, and now they're in the mainstream. So when I was coming back out of my funk and I was trying to figure out, well, what part of my past do I want, my career past, do I want to pull forward? besides Fairy Godmother, um, Dreameroo was at the top of my list. And so I put together a website and said what I did and what my background is. And that was more or less from the start supposed to be for speaking engagements. 
I was going to put my toe in the water and be a speaker and um, in this day and age called a thought leader. And quite a bit of the work is about the thing that I just told you about, but some piece of the work, a great big piece for me is lucid dreaming. I've been a lucid dreamer all my life. I've kept, I have stacks five feet tall of dream journals from my, started when I was 13. <laughs> so I have a lifetime of dream journals. I've studied union dream work. I have uh, done all the layperson's study. I've never studied it professionally, but I have all the anecdotal evidence and particularly in my own life as a creative person, because quite a few of my songs and stories and many, many ideas that I've brought to bear in, the, in my lifetime have originated in dreams. And so I wanted to so, somehow mash up this process in real time with the lucid dreaming things that I had studied on my own. And I've done that now and I've started to get speaking engagements and projects, events that I'll be hosting. And it's really just beginning, but I'm heartened by the fact that it's so in the zeitgeist, you know, everyone is talking about it. It's not so weird. 20 years ago, I was a weirdo, right? I'm yep. still a weirdo, but in a different way, right? Well, we're <laughs> yeah. still like good, good old fashioned, happy weirdos. We're just I'm a happy weirdo. Yes, that's yeah. true. We're, we're out of the closet weirdos now. <laughs> we're more normal. <laughs> right. Well, I want to tell a little story about the first dreamer speaking engagement that I had, which was, I literally did not have hair yet. My hair had not grown back from the chemo. I had a wig on okay. and I got asked to go to uh, an event that was hosted by a big tech company here in Austin. That was the top 50 creatives of Texas. And I was very impressed. They chose me as one Yay. of them. So I go to that with my wig and you know, you put on the pantyhose and you're out in the world, right? And I have no hair under all of this. So I always feel like that's weird. Like you're walking around like in a disguise or something. But I go to this thing and I mention Dreamaroo to somebody, one of the ladies at my table. And she basically ended up being somebody that was the head of a big or national organization for creative people and asked me to come speak at their Dallas convention, which was in a few months from them. And I did that. That was, you know, a couple of months after the first event, and I was still shaky. You know, I, I did, there was no one telling me what, what does a dreameroo speech look like? What are we going to talk about here? And uh, the people that, the audience were kids, young people, not kids, but young people, maybe between 18 and 35, who were getting their graduate degrees in some form of creative um, work and they would be entering the workplace and it was a juried show. So they were all high end creatives. And many of the people speaking at that event were technical people like tech, tech, technology, creative technology, uh, architects, um, graphic designers, those kinds of people. So here I am speaking to a very highly creative group. And my whole speech was about how do you maintain your own creative juice once you get out in the world and you start working for an ad agency or you have a creative job in a field that you thought you wanted, what usually happens is after a while, even though you're doing nice creative work for your client or your company, you're, you lose your own little fire inside, your own creative spark. So my whole speech was about that. That's not particularly interesting. And then the good part to me was, I mean, it was interesting to me. As it turns I, out, I don't know. Me too. I'm like, I love that. 
<laughs> no, it was, it was interesting to them too. And I was happy, but when the thing was over, you know, you always ask if anybody has questions or if they want to, they usually want to come up and say something and give you their card. This line forms to come and speak to me afterwards. And what happened kind of blew my mind. Every single person wanted to give me a hug. They wanted to hug me like the, you know, the closed heart chakra touching, squeeze you for about five minutes, you know, and every one of them wanted a hug. And afterwards, I was like, what up with the hugs? I was so <laughs> I'm like crying, I'm bawling. And these people are just coming one right after another to give me these hugs. And later on, somebody saw me walking around the show who attended and, and came up and said, I just want you to know that your speech changed my life because I, I was hearing all these how-tos about what I should do with my creativity. But you touched my heart and made me want to keep going. And that's why everybody wanted to give you a hug because you touched something in them that they didn't think would be talked about. And so that gave me some juice, you know, to carry on. And, um, and now I'm working on other Dreamaroo things, but the whole idea is to keep that heartfelt connection with what I call the little flame, which is our inner spirit. That is the creative and how do we break down all of our inhibitions and our fears to get to that? And then how do we keep that alive? And that's pretty much the dreamery work. Oh, I love this, Jan. I, I'm, oh, I think creativity is the most important thing for a, a skill set to develop and not just take it for granted. Like, oh, those are creative people and those are technical people. How can we develop things technically on the planet, whether it's medicine, whether it's communication tools, anything without the gift of creativity that's underneath that, that it's not just about, you know, a job type thing. So it's like keeping that, that imprint, like you said, the, the little spark that lives inside of us alive all the time, you know, and not let the, the other things get in the way. So how do you integrate that, Jan, with you're the lucid dreaming. It's funny that you just, every day I get in my inbox, I'm, I'm subscribed to this woman's um, emails and she sends a little Oracle card, you know, like a wisdom card, Oracle card, whatever. And today it was about lucid dreaming. And oh, fun. I know. <laughs> yeah, on her list too. And so I love that you're speaking of that and it's calling, I'm just curious. I'm like, hmm, we didn't talk about what the seven day experiment is for this week for the big dream school. And each okay. week, you know, we have the guests get that you get to pick like one simple thing that we could all kind of practice and play with that could, you know, move our lives forward and move our big dreams forward. And so somehow lucid dreaming might be on the radar for us to experiment with this. Okay, week. Well, I, have, I have something for that. I have something for you. It's my prescription. Yay. Okay, so at the time that I was developing the business of Dreamaroo in the last couple of years, I did sit down and write the beginning of a uh, nonfiction book that I will be completing here in the next few months now that I've gotten two of my creative books, my fiction books done. Um, right now it lives as a free download of one chapter okay. on com. so it's yep. dr. E-A-M-E-R-O-O.com. And that chapter is called 30 Days to Dream. But what I'm envisioning 
<clears throat> for this book, and I've been writing bits and pieces to put it all together, is how to create a dream practice. And what does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis? So the free chapter is how to get started. So, it, you know, it's pretty practical. It's pretty broken down day by day over a 30-day period. And the basis of you're I'm sorry. I'm just laughing because it's like we're, we, I think we do have the Vulcan mind meld going on. So um, it's just awesome because <laughs> we're doing the same stuff. Um, I hope so. I think that that is awesome. And I, I hope people that hear this will say, oh my God, I'm already doing that or I've just started that. But so my process is to keep two dream books. One is the night book and that's your lucid dreams. And there is a way to do lucid dreaming. It's in my 30 days to dream um, chapter that you can okay. download if you want to know what those are. So I set you up for how to keep a dream book for night dreaming. And just a couple of things off of that is that the theory is if you have a dream, if you remember your dream right when you wake up, you should have your, your journal, your notebook or something next to your bed with a pencil. Because if you turn to get out of bed and your feet hit the ground, you'll forget it. So you have to write it down right away. So what I'm doing in that 30 days to dream is I'm setting up your world to support your dreams, both in a lucid night dreaming way and a daydreaming way. And there are all kinds of little tricks and I really believe that, you know, making your environment conducive to your dreams, to your visions, to your heart, most heartfelt one true thing is the way to bring them into the world. So really what we're talking about is manifesting or birthing or, or supporting the dream spirit in the little flame. And that could be anything from your guitar playing, songwriting, painting, or non-artistic things as well. It's like, I just want to live a certain way. I want to feel a certain way. So it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be an artist to do all these things. And many people find their creativity in other ways. They find it in business or they find it in, in fishing. You know, there's all kinds of ways to express that creativity. But my process and what I'm trying to get in this book is a lifestyle that could support the dreamer and not allow us to be talked out of it by our inner critic, which, by the way, is a big part of the process. To shut up the inner critic is part of how you stay vibrating at that level. And, of course, everyone has downtimes or, you know, losses or life gets you or, you know, God, I've lost my way and I can't find my way out of this funk or... If you're a writer, you know, writer's block. I mean, I have all of those things. And I've just trained myself over the years to how to work through all that and how to keep those dreams present. And then, of course, now I'm executing the big, you know, how-to uh, because I've done this my whole life. And I feel like it was really effective for me. And I've, I feel like it was effective for people who I've mentored along the way. And I have three sons who are all artists and musicians happily living out their dreams and three grandchildren who are doing the same thing. So I feel like I raised a bunch of dreamers yes. and I used to apologize for that. And I no longer apologize for that. I, I felt like I maybe hadn't prepared them well enough for the cold, hard world. And if you talk to them, they'll all say, no way you prepared us to live in this current world. So one of the subjects that is very current about being a dreamer is the subject of living with uncertainty. 
So mm-hmm. if you've ever done any massive change in your life of any kind, not just grabbing your creativity, but just moving through things, which I think you have, pretty much everyone has, yeah. then you know that there's this, what I call the gap. It's between the old thing and the new thing. And there's a big chasm and you have to fly across and that's the gap. And living with uncertainty in this world is a skill set that we should all have. We're going to need more and more and more. So that's part of the process. So this is a a book in the making. And I think if you needed a seven-day challenge, maybe people could get that free download and they could work on their 30 days and see what a dream practice might look like for them. And it's all very personal, like, you, you know, set up your room, set up your house, get these things. It's, it doesn't take any money. You don't have to have, you know, some big artistic skill to do this. It's all very practical and personal. And um, I feel like it, uh, it could be the modern day artist way. And quite a few people still do the artist way. And that was something that was revolutionary when it came out. And I think it's been out for 30 years. So Julia Cameron. Yes. So, you know, there is a, as we all know, if you're into yoga or meditation or anything that has to change a habit, there is a practice involved and there is, it takes 28 days to change a habit. So you got 30 for the dreamer. Yeah, totally. I know in Kundalini yoga, we talk about, you know, they say 40 days, 90 days, um, and, uh, 120 days. There's all these different you know, Points. beliefs of, of when we actually get it embodied, you know, into a new way of being. And so it is important that we, we have, you know, ways to change our habits. Um, I think I want to go back, Jan, and ask you about, because I think something that's super important, two things, a lot of people, you know, I think how we identify who we are on the planet is super duper important as, uh, as humans. And so, you were saying a lot of, you know, a lot of people don't say, they don't identify as a creative or as an artist, you know? And to me, I remember my ex-husband, bless his heart, he's like, I'm not creative. I'm not an artist. I'm like, dude, you're like masterful in business. So you were saying, you know, people have a way of creativity in different ways. And so reframing that conversation in our mind, like I am creative, like whether it's with food or I created a baby, you know. Right, creating children in a family, that's uh, a big creation. Pretty big. That's about as big as it gets. Right. I think people get hung up on the word artist. Yeah. You know, that the, there was this separation, and it really goes down in my mind to the separation of right brain, left brain activities. And there's a new book, uh, a new person writing about right and left brains has two distinctly different brains, uh, Ian McGilvery. And um, I'm studying his work right now because I think the separation of, you know, in the, in the record business, the music business, they used to call them the suits. So you had the suits over here that, you know, they were doing the bookkeeping and managing the money in the business, and you had the artists over on the other side. And so that is exemplary of how we separated those things. And then people like your husband saying, well, I'm just not creative. I cannot tell you how many times a day I hear that from people that still cannot identify as creative because they're not an artist. They're not a writer, dancer, painter, uh, songwriter, whatever. They don't identify unless they fit into those little holes. So it's just more separation. So my theory is in the coming years and now, 
starting now and into the future, that that right brain person is going to be more and more important to our evolution, that it is the creative mind that dreams up the next thing, how to save the forest, how to um, build a faster rocket ship, whatever. It could be math, it could be science, it could be anything really, business. And all that creativity happens in the right brain. The left brain organizes it. So for people who are uh, developed in their brain style where they can utilize both sides, that's optimal, of course. But still, all of the stuff that we need going forward happens in the right brain. So my process helps people break down the barriers, their own barriers, their own self-inflicted barriers to their right brain by saying things like, I'm just not an artist or I'm just not creative. And sometimes it's a negative inner voice that you heard as a child, like you're not going to be a ballerina, you need to be a secretary because you can make a living, which by the way, I was told. My mom, she was a concert pianist, but she was afraid for me just to study ballet, which I did. And I had to learn to type, which also came in handy since I was a writer. So it all turned out well. But I defied that. You know, I didn't know. I had no way to articulate any of it. I just knew I had to dance or I had to have music and that that was my passion. So sometimes those things went out if your spirit is strong enough and you're defiant. But other times it doesn't. And you follow the family directive to be a doctor or a lawyer. And not that those things are bad. It just may not have been your passion to become a lawyer. Totally. Oh my gosh. I, I, um, I, a couple of things you were just saying, like the right brain is in the creative spirit and the creative um, way of thinking and being is going to be what the future is needed. And obviously we've got so much beautiful tech that has been developed and designed by everybody to like handle a lot of the left brain stuff. Right. And it's, it, you know that stuff is going to get done by computers, and the 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 like you said, the creative thinking is what we need to get our muscles really uh, in line with. You know, yes. and I think it's so important, and I think it's important too. Just circling back to the about the identity and not being creative, not being an artist, um, or and some people, you know, they have that that critical voice, that inner critic. And it takes work to acknowledge that that voice is there, whether it came, you know, when you were 10 years old and you handed in a piece of art that was like, eh, this is not so good. But that's what your teacher said. And you think I'm not an artist. And that's an old program that needs to get unprogrammed and reprogrammed with the voice of creativity and the voice of an artist moving forward. And so, gosh, I think it's just, it's critical work what you're doing and what we're hopefully inspiring and bringing out on the planet right now. I mean, it's so needed because the reality is like the jobs and the things that are going to happen on the planet, you know, there's certain jobs that only human hands can do. Like I'm not going to let a computer cut my hair, you know, but the reality is that person is not really, you know, there's that kind of way of, of, of showing up on the planet if you're good with your hands like that. But like being a thinker, a creative and a designer of the future is like, we need more training on that. And I think, unfortunately, our schools are failing the children right now with that. Um, well, our schools are still run like they were 100 years ago. The yeah. model hasn't changed. Of course, there are many programs that support the creativity and um, 
the expression of the right brain, whether it be STEM or STEAM. And um, it's all, you know, when we get it mashed up with how we talk about art and artistry, you know, we mash up the word creativity and art artist, and it does a disservice to the creative mind. So some creative minds come out with um, great solutions to big problems that have nothing to do with art and music. So that's what really what I'm going for is to build a curriculum and a practice on an individual basis that can break through any kind of old programming and find the one true thing, your one true thing. It's very personal. I cannot tell you what your one true thing is. I'm not going to read your dream journal and say, oh, well, you know, you dreamed of a lot of dogs, so you ought to be a veterinarian, right? It's all very personal, and it's a self-discovery road. And so I'm excited about it. I do a lot of business uh, structure, business structure reading and research. I'm always looking to find clues to how the market is going. And one of the big clues lately is that um, one of the top reports on what employers are looking for, of the top three things they're looking for, creativity is at the top. Because even if you don't have a college degree, if you're creative and you're open and you're willing and you're curious, you can learn. And you can learn the new thing, whatever that is, the new technologies or the new building practices, the new creating for a business. So I think that we're seeing that move to the top of the heap now, as opposed to being pushed down to the realm of the artist. And that's very exciting for me. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw that as one of the Google top threes. I, I don't have a quote as to where my resources are, but you could Google it and see if you can find the same thing. Um, Yes. So that's that on creativity. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. So what do we think here? You are rocking forward. Are, are you still working on, like on your website? It talks about you're working on an augmented reality game. And so I want a lot of it, listeners may not know what AR and augmented reality is. Do you want okay. to share a little so, bit about that and why it's important? Yeah. So currently I am creating this new series, which is the follow follow on series to the Fairy Godmother Academy. And within those books, those stories, there's a school called The Third Place. And that school is for these gifted kids. I use that word lightly. That's what everybody else calls them. In my story, I call them coded. And that means they have powers. And they have powers that have been handed down to them through the lineages of their families. And they sometimes know what the powers are and sometimes they don't. So they go to the school particularly for the coded, the third place. And my intention is to build out a prototype third place in real time, possibly in Austin, hopefully in Austin. And that would be a place where lots of things would happen. And some of those things would be artistic, like there would be a stage and a performance venue for all the cool music and dance and and things that are happening in the community. And then another thing that would be happening would be there would be a tinker lab. There's a fashion design for smart fashion. So there's all these really cool tech creative things happening in this school. And part of the magic of it in the story is that they're building this, this they have a climbing wall called the anything is possible wall, but it really is a portal accelerator for them to be jettisoned into another world. Um, and so that's where the augmented or the virtual reality experience comes. You know, part of this is my response to 
being on the cutting edge of tech and entertainment, I sit on, a, or I'm actually a visiting professional at Carnegie Mellon's uh, Entertainment Technology Center. I've always been on the cutting edge of technology and entertainment, music, entertainment, technology. And this is my throwdown for that this part of it. I'm very interested in virtual reality spaces and, and experiences in as much as how they relate to my story. So I wrote the story first and then started visioning that out. And that's often what I do is as I'm writing something, a story, a song, I'm seeing the visual execution of that. So this is the next wave of that. Um, augmented reality now is pretty getting pretty prolific in terms of games and apps for reading for little kids, for preschoolers. You can overlay imagery that moves on top of the technology. So if you're looking at your laptop or your iPad or your phone, you can actually trigger these images that are moving images that you know, can be on top of whatever else you have. That's happening and happening fast, and you'll see a lot of that, and you're already seeing a lot of that now. I'm really more interested in the virtual space, the virtual reality, um, which would be holographic imagery in a space. So that's also being used. You're seeing a little bit of that in big venues. Um, but I want to execute the third place as a virtual reality slash reality performance space. Oh and I know you want to come and be a DJ, right? <laughs> well, I mean, just a segment of, yes, playing some music, of course, of course, of course. I mean, I love, I swear, I feel like we all did get this message in this memo, like these immersive experiences and these immersive environments to create transformation through entertainment experiences, you know, but they really are for uplifting and educating and raising our vibration on the planet collectively. Well, um, the theme of my, my Coded for Greatness books is around the fact that there are other worlds. And so it lends itself very nicely to the fact that we can create other worlds and other experience, immersive experiences in real time. And I love that. So I'm, just, you know, I'm grabbing that technology and making it work for me. And well, yes, I think, have you heard of the Muse headband? I don't think so. Tell me so about it. So the Muse headband is something that's like a biofeedback. It'll it, you can wear it, and it's um, you know it'll tell you if you know how your meditating is going. If you should you know maybe get some feedback of like oh you're still you need to chill out a little bit, and they do visual representations of your um, your current state. Uh, on a screen and you can also do it in VR. So it's very interesting because you can have these, this technology that is giving you feedback based on how you're interacting with the tech of, you know, your, your heart rate and other variables, you know, that they can measure through sensors on your body. And so what's interesting is you can create experiences that have feedback with them and that, will also inform what the experience looks like for yourself and for everybody else. So it's kind of like if you're having this like negative vibe going on and you're, it's, it can get programmed and translated into the experience as like bad weather. Or, oh, well, that um, sounds a lot like my book. I better hurry and get my book out before somebody creates something just like it. But I well, definitely see that whole uh, – the clothing that has the feedback sensors in it, that's a big thing coming up. I have a granddaughter that's at FITM in Los Angeles as a fashion design student. Ooh. And um, 
I have the opportunity to visit and they, uh, they're creating so many cool things there, but you know, so the, all of these ideas are not necessarily unique. It's just the way we're putting them together. So as an artist, I'm absorbing everything that I learn and projecting into the future. Some things that I haven't read about, like what you just described and hopefully putting that together in a story format so that it can be executed out in the world. And technology moves so fast, as you know, that I feel a little bit of pressure to get these books out now so that they're in line with what's happening because you're shooting into the future all the time. I'm shooting into the future. I'm creating for a market that may not exist when I first started. By the time I'm almost ready to release, it's just happening. So that's kind of fun too. Yeah, I think of it like, you know, this next level of immersive experiences, whether it's with domes or VR or AR or the holographic experiences, it's like, I bet this is what it's like for creators back when, um, you know, as storytellers and experience creators and change makers, like when the the big screen, the films started coming out, you know, yeah. so instead of just sitting around and we're going to tell our story and have experiences by the campfire, it's kind of like this, you know, this next theater of, of life experience is being developed so that us as creators can come and plug in the journeys, you know, for people to have these transformation experiences and with others, not just by yourself, of course. Well, if you think of all the people out there right this minute that are having similar ideas to what we're talking about today, yeah, and it's it's really an exciting time to be alive. And you're right. I think this has been happening for thousands of years. There's always a group of people that are the visionaries, the artists, the scientists, the inventors. Sometimes they're thought of as a little wacky ahead of their time or maybe not believed at all. So, you know, I feel like in that respect, I feel a part of that community. And in your, in the case of this podcast and other things, what's so fantastic is now that community, that global community, having similar ideas and thoughts and visions can hear from and talk to each other, even if they don't get in the same room. And that's awesome. Because, and I get a lot of ideas from kids, you know, when I talk to teenagers or even sometimes younger kids they're having these visions too. So we're not the only ones. And I'm just trying to package mine up in a certain way, but you may package yours up a different way. And who knows which one of us, if any of us will be successful, you know, in a professional way, but in a way I can't help myself. You know what I mean? I have to keep doing this. This is the way I work and the way I vision. And it's a problem solving thing. I often write something and then months later I realize I've written out something that hasn't happened yet but it does happen in my life and then I've already problem solved it so there's that whole dimension of it too and so yeah I wouldn't stop now if they made me this is part of my joy this is the joy quotient right yes totally you I mean you so exude like the birthing of creative things and process and stories like it's it really is fascinating to me because as a creator myself, like I know, like you seem to it just comes out of you, like with the songs and the games and the books and the stories and the dreams of the future and these events and experiences. You know, it's just like you're just like giving birth to to life and to dreams. You know, and it's just such a neat thing to 
Thank you for saying action. (laughs) It hasn't always been that way. And maybe it would be a good time to tell a little story of when I first allowed myself, gave myself permission Mm -hmm. to be all that I could be, even if it was weird to the rest of the world. And I was about, um, it was about 20 years ago. And of course I had been having my dreams and my visions and my desires and my creative goals before that. But I don't think I ever really totally embraced all the dimensions of my creativity. I had just gotten a divorce. I was, it was a very painful divorce. I was uh, sleeping and dreaming and I kept dreaming this song And it was such a beautiful song in the dream, but I had not to that point had never actually successfully brought something from the dream space into the real world intact. You'd kind of remember it, but you'd have to construct it. So I set a little handheld recorder next to my bed and I vowed that the next time I had that dream of that song, I would sing it into the tape recorder so I would capture it, right? So that happened a few days later. It's raining. It's early in the morning. I dreamed the dream, the beautiful song. It was so lovely in the dream. I was like, I've got to get this. This is angelic notes, right? And I do that. I sing it into the little Sony hand recorder. And then I was dating at the time a man who was a composer and wrote musical charts. And I handed it off to him, the little recording. And of course, he arranged it and put strings to it and made it this gigantic thing. But that song lives in the world now and became a part of one of my stories. And what was significant about it was it was the first time that I had ever actually brought something out of the dream space into the waking space intact. Mm. So I figured, well, if I can do that that way, I can do other things. I can bring other stories or ideas. I can start to bring those things into the world and craft them as if somebody just slapped a, a, a slab of clay on my table, right? It was as real to me as anything else in the daytime waking world. So I started giving myself permission to use all of my skills as an artist. And my career took off in very many ways over, the, over those 20 years. and. Um, I did a lot of songs, a lot more songs, musicals, books, all kinds of things, because I was crafting and working very hard in my dream space. And so I think it really is about giving yourself permission to dream and, you know, fine tuning and honing your skill and flexing your creative muscle in real time. And I think that the dream, the night dream space is a perfect place to workshop things, you know, technically and literally. And uh, so, yeah, I wasn't always that way. You know, I wasn't always the dream mama giving birth to one right after another. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of things I've done, I've done because I was, didn't know any better and tried it, right? You know, so there is something to be said for being brave. And, um, you know, the ignorance is bliss thing. So, yeah, I think that that it's really more about getting up that, building that muscle and getting going and using all your tools and going for it and seeing what happens. And sometimes you fail too, by the way. Failure is a part of everything. Well, totally. Well, and it's like, hello, like I know every great artist or every great chef, every great anything. It's like, it doesn't come out the right way the first time. It's like the bravery of the messy, the shitty first draft, like Anne Lamott likes to say, you know, it's like, 
it's okay. Like just do it anyways. Don't worry if it's splattered or splintered or a mess or whatever. Just like put something out there. Like for me with this podcast, I'm like, I'm not Larry King yet, you know, I'm not Oprah, but I'm still going to like, I'm going to do this thing because I believe in our voices and in our messages. Right. And so it does take a level of bravery to, to put yourself out there as an artist and say it's a creative or as a human. (laughs) I I, I think it's important to talk about failure and uh, the ugliness of it. There there are many, many stages and times. And by the way, even at this juncture of my career, I have failures. I have things that don't come out very well and I have to start over or I don't start over. You know, there's all that. But you have to believe you can continue on too, no matter what comes out. And it is messy and ugly and scary. And, you know, you do want to quit and run away and get a real job. But, you know, I think it's important in every walk of life, no matter what kind of work you do, to embrace the ugly failures, you know, and get up and dust yourself off and do it again. I think it's it's a survival. You know, it's like what happened to me after cancer. I had to pick myself up and dust myself off and start again and go for a different thing that was the next evolution of who I was as a human being. So I think we could totally wrap this entire interview into that, saying it's, you know, I'm not brave and I was afraid and I'm still afraid and everyone's afraid when they embark on something new. And you have to just plow through. You do have to plow through. What can you say to people right now who may be experiencing, like, I know when I was going through my complete life breakdown and I was on the floor crying and I I always joke about having snot fangs because I was crying so much, you know, and wondering, like, I knew that there was that spark in me that wanted to move forward. and But I felt so like defeated. And I just felt like, dude, you just got your butt kicked, Val. And I knew that there was that voice in me that could move forward, but it was so like, I was in so much pain and I was in so much just like that state of feeling defeated. Like, what can you say to people right now who might be listening, who might be having some snot fangs and being like, how am I going to get through this? Like, yes, it's all well and good but what's my next step? What can I do in this moment to pick myself up and move forward? I would say to anyone, no matter who they are, how old they are, and what their snot fangs come from, what was their dilemma, is that we all have a point in time where we have to dig really deep. We have to go for that thing inside us that we may have never even seen before. We've not touched. It's so deep. We may never have touched that thing. But see, I'm an optimist. I believe everyone has it. I think that 90% of the people that will listen to this interview have had a moment like that or they've touched that part of themselves that's brave and strong and that has the ability to pull themselves up. It's, we don't use that all the time. You know, we don't, it's, it's only meant for the really big stuff. And so I think that it, remember that you have that, that you are in, in my, in the vernacular of my new books, coded for greatness. You have the gene, you have the thing, the power to go down in there and find that thing. What is your, your sweet spot, your power, your one true thing? What is the thing that you will get up off the floor for? 
Mm. And keep going. I love that. What is the one thing you will get up off the floor for? Oh my gosh. Tweetable. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a song that goes with the, the one of the fairy godmother, the last fairy godmother book that I did. Um, the character, the main character, a little girl, 12 years old, was a climber. She's like a, a rock climber. And that was her, her passion. And, um, there's a, there's a song that we used to perform when we did shows like Comic-Cons and, you know, big shows like that. We had a band and, you know, people walking around in costumes. And there's a song called Learn to Fly. Mm. And uh, there's a line in it where it says, it's the thing you say you want, but then you have to try for. And, you know, it's one thing to say you want something. I want to be strong. I want to be creative. I want to be rich. I want to be loved. Whatever that thing is you say you want. The thing that comes after that is the part where you have to put the one foot in front of each other, of the other. You have to pull yourself off the floor. It's the trying part. And it's got to be big enough for you to want to try for. Otherwise, you really won't get it. So I, I like to think about that. Um, I, I actually cannot perform that song anymore um, because it makes me cry. I cannot perform it because it is so true to me and my spirit that it just brings all that. And it's hard to sing when you're crying. So, Oh my gosh. But okay, can, can that be our song of the week? Cause we have a Absolutely. song. Absolutely. I can get a copy of that from my son, Shane, who is in Costa Rica right now. So you'll have to wait a few days, but okay, no yeah, we, we have a copy of that somewhere and it's beautiful and it would make a good background song for you. But you know, my son Shane is Govinda, so he did all the music for it, and I wrote the words, and uh, that was just one that really stuck and felt true. And, oh, I love it. Yes. Um, okay, so I have a couple of questions that, to ask you before we, we kind of wrap this up. So I'm coming up with some fun, like little, what are some interesting questions to, to you know, ask our beautiful guests? And um one song it, it sounds like you already like wrote it so it's kind of kind of uh it's already been written the learn to fly song but the this the question really is it's like what's the one song if you had one song that is the message of your life oh gosh that's that, that you make up it's not our it hasn't been written it's your oh, okay so not a song that's been produced by someone else already nope. it's your it's your like well, your message what's your life message song that you know, you would share I, with the world. I kind of think it is learn to fly. Yeah. I've been thinking, you know, <laughs> we're talking about things I would pull forward into the new time after the cancer. Uh, I asked Shane, you know, Shane and I do a lot of music together and we were like, well, you know, we can make an album out of some of the music we've already created and just do new versions. And Every time we want to do something new with music, I'll go, well, we can redo Learn to Fly. And he's like, Mom, you can't perform that. You cry every time. I'm not even playing that song in front of you. <laughs> it's kind of funny, but it's because it hits home. There's another one, though, and, and I don't have this one recorded, so it wouldn't help your show. But um, I wrote this, little, this song called My Little Flame. Mm. <laughs> and it was a little bit about what we're talking a bit about today. So... I was living with a boyfriend who we were about to break up. So we were sleeping in different rooms and uh, he would always say to me, I wake up in the middle of the night and your light is always on in that other room. And I'm writing cause I'm writing in the middle of the night. So it's uh, uh, if you wake up and you see my light, of course it has a double meaning. <laughs> the candle flickers in my eyes. 
you've been sleeping while I've been dreaming. So that's the gist of the song. And then it talks about how to protect my little flame. Like I was working on my flame all those years. You were sleeping. You were over there doing your thing while I was building that flame and making it strong. And so nothing can put it out now because of that. So that song's very personal to me as well. Oh, my God. You're so talented. Oh, I just love listening to you because it's like, oh, I get it. I get it. I can give you some lyrics. That might be good to kind of put up on the lead in or something. But I would love that. I mean, those are that's the way I express myself. And so it's nothing, and I wouldn't say it's nothing to write a song, but it's it's in my nature to do that, to express those deepest feelings that way. And I mean, that's what poets do. Poet poetry was my first love. And then I started writing songs when I was a kid. So I was always trying to write my feelings down somehow and get them out, like encapsulate them. Writing books is a lot harder. Writing books is the bigger, more fleshed out idea. And writing songs and poetry is this concise set of words and, song and, and uh, melody that express something deep. Well, I know I was just going to say another, you shouldn't have asked me this question. I'm loaded with this, but the song that I dreamed, I think I have a nice recording of that. It's, um, it's called Jewel, J E W E L. Mm -hmm. And it too is about that little flame, just a different execution of that same idea. I'll see what I can find. It'll be about what I have recorded. Okay, cool. I think that's super I love that these came through, you know, that your first permission slip came through in a dream, literally. Yeah. And it, this is like the way that you're moving forward on the planet and helping people bring their dreams forward. It's, yeah. I, I, um, I call it giving them permission to be free. <laughs> and it's so simple in some ways and so hard and so many people do not give themselves or would even accept permission to be free so that's my job i have accepted my role going forward in the world of teaching people and helping people learn how to free up that part of themselves it is so important and it is interesting because i think we do have a hang-up thinking that we need to be told that it's okay to go do the thing yes yes Okay, fine. Here you go. Stamp. You've got your permission slip. Go. Um, I talk about permission slips in a book that I'm writing, and it's really like it's important. It's something that we have this hang up that we think we need this external thing. So I think we're hard wired for that. That's the way we've been as humans, particularly in the Western world, but really for eons. You know, there's the overlord, someone who's the all-knowing all-being and then there's us little peons and we're trying to wait for the overlord to say it's okay yeah and i think that that's evolving we're evolving and so it's very easy i'll just give you permission to be free and then you'll go on your merry way and if you want i'll give you a little stamp that says dreameroo there you go you're (laughs) officially a dreameroo you're officially a dreameroo well and i think too just it, it's a thing, like you said, we've been programmed. It's, it's a survival mechanism. Yes. You know? Like if we don't have, if we do something outside of that, we might get excommunicated from the tribe, which means possible true. death. And That's so true. there's that, you know, we are, we're mammals, you know, we're, we're we, we've evolved that way. So now we get to evolve and transcend that and, and raise our vibe and our consciousness. So there you I think go. It's, 
it's so interesting what you're doing is that you're looking at all these different people who are the Pied Pipers of the new way, right? And it, there's millions. It's not, you could probably never wrap your head around everybody that's doing this. So yeah. that's something to think about. But just so interesting to watch how humans evolve and how, what, what, what language do they use with themselves and what tools do they have to break free of old ways and move into a new time. And so I'm excited to be on the front and I'm excited to be alive. And I mean, truly alive, like all jets firing at the same time. So that's, that's the gift, right? You know, I lived and this is the new life and it's awesome. Well, it sounds like this is what you got up off the floor to live for. Absolutely. Yeah. Now you're going to make me cry. <laughs> uh, I know. I'm like, I'm all like, I put my glasses on. You can't tell. I got tears under here. But it is emotional. I, okay, here's one little side effect of chemo. chemo okay. And that is post-chemo. And that is that I used to cry. I was very emotional, but not all the time. But after I've come back in this new time, Literally, if you say something that rings true to me, it doesn't even have to be an emotional thing. It could be like, I like avocados. Anything, if it hits the heart chakra, I'm a blithering, crying mess because I have no filter. It's like I'm going right into the heart chakra. So if it rings true, if it vibrates true, I cry. And that's my litmus test. If something, if I walk in the room, I can walk in the room. Literally, nobody can say anything, and something will ring true, and my eyes will water up. So I've decided that that's a great gift. I'm like a, a divining rod, you know. Oh, I'm, my God. I was just going to say. Is that what you were going to say? Well, yeah. And you're probably like that, too. So what that really means to me is that we're being finely tuned. You know, we're, yeah. we're trying to figure our path by the resonance of vibration. Yeah. And that's where we are. And I'm happy to be able to do that. And I don't know, can you teach that? I don't know. I don't well, know. I think awareness is a key and experience. It's like awareness that that's possible. And, and then, you know, sometimes we do have to have that disaster, you know, break apart experience to like have that be in our being and in our new way of operating, our new operating system. But if you don't have that total destruction teardown, you can still do these practices and start training. I mean, that's a whole nother episode to talk about like how to train that, that divining rod, as it were, that vibe, that vibe stick. I think that the, <laughs> big, the big crash and burn things, um, I often say that the, my girl on the moon experience burned up all my karma. It made me a naked crying baby in the road, right? You know, I had no, none of that ego was left to get in the way. Those old tapes or whatever, however you want to say it. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully, you know, everyone doesn't need to go through something like that, but it definitely sped up the process. I will say that. Yeah. Well, I am glad you're here and I'm so blessed and grateful that you have taken all this time to be with us here on the Big Dream School podcast. Is there anything you want to share? We're going to put all sorts of good stuff in the show notes, but for people who don't make it over to the website, where can everybody find you? What's, you know, where can, where, I want them to get this 30 day to dream. Uh, so also. my Dreameroo website is dreameroo.com. Very simple, D R. E-A-M-E-R-O-O.com. 
And um, that'll give you a little bit more about me if you want to know about it or just get that download, that free download for the first chapter of the new book. And it's 30 Days to Dream and it's right up front. So you don't have to go too deep. If you want that, that's easy peasy and free to everybody. So I hope that they'll come. They will. And I'll leave everything in the show notes. We have so many awesome links and everything. So I'll leave a link to the show notes for everybody. And I'm so excited. And are you... I, I know we scheduled this podcast to be um, to go live around the time of South by Southwest. Did you yes. say we're going to be rocking and rolling over the, doing that? You're already yes, in Austin. Yes, I'm going to be doing South by Southwest. Of course, being in Austin tonight in the entertainment business, you can't not do it, right? <laughs> so much going on. Of, of my boys are all playing live in various bands and nice. lots of people coming into town for all kinds of technology and music. I mean, it is a feast for all your senses if you're in that work and you might want to come so know, it's so far my spare room there. is not spoken for now that don't put that on the show yeah i'm going to be doing things for that and then shortly after that i'm going to do my first dreamaroo three-day event in bentonville arkansas so i am uh, excited about that and um, that's pretty much it that's so amazing Thank you so much, Jan. You're like, you warmed my heart and inspired my soul. I hope that the the rest of the love tribe and dream jockeys feel the same way and the dreamaroos, all of us unite. All those dreamaroos. <laughs> well, I hope they write to me and if they resonate with that, I'm ready with open arms to give you permission to be free. But mm. thanks for having me. And it was really fun to meet you. And I can't wait till we get in the same city and can create that dome or something when you know, we'll there's something coming and we don't know what it is yet. I feel it too. I just feel like spirit brought us together and it's like, okay, yeah. let's go play. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> All right. So just to close out the shows too, I love to just do it. Just a quick inhale and exhale to get grounded and give thanks for being here. So let's everybody inhale together. All right, dream jockeys. Was that the best episode or what? So go on over to djvaleriebelove.com forward slash zero two one dreameroo. Okay. You're going to get your free download sheet there. You can also get all the show notes and all of Jan's links. And you can also get a link to her awesome 30 days to dream. And there's going to be so much dreaming happening on the planet here. And I'm so excited for all of us to move forward on this wonderful journey together. So remember, it takes a tribe and it takes a village and it takes all of us dream jockeys saying yes, yes, and yes to our big, big dreams. And every week at 1111 Mountain Standard Time on Mondays and Thursdays, I'm over at the DJ Valerie Beloved Facebook page, rocking some Facebook lives. We're talking about the new podcast episodes and we're talking about the experiments of the week. And ideally, you will be there and we will be doing our Manifesting Mondays on Mondays. We will be giving some thanks on Thursdays and we are going to be moving these big dreams forward. So I can't wait to see you guys over there. And if you want to join our Big Dream School Facebook group, it's free. So I jump in there a lot. And what we do is we support each other. Because like I said, you can't do the big dreaming all by yourself. It takes a tribe. And so we are the Big Dream tribe, right? So let's rock that. 
I'll see you guys over there. And thank you again for listening. And thank you and thank you. Oh, did I say thank you? Thank you. All right. Much, much, much love. Thanks again for listening to this awesome Big Dream School podcast. If you received any benefit and you like it, it would mean the world to me. If you could please take a moment to send us a review on iTunes and subscribe. It will help us get this message and these tools out there to all of the big dreamers like you. Thank you again and many, many blessings to you in your day. I'll